My help comes from the Lord. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you... He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Thank you, Karen. As we continue our journey through the book of Acts, I would encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 14. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 to 23. It may be found on page 1174 of your Red Pew Bible. Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you inspired Luke to put pen to paper, to give an orderly account of the first century church, to tell us about that first missionary journey of the apostle Paul and Barnabas. Oh God, we pray that as we read this faithful account, God, that by your spirit you might speak to us, that we might hear from you that our hearts might be forever changed. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse one, listen to the word of the Lord. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue And spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. I want to stop there just for a moment. This is the pattern of Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. First, they would go into a synagogue and faithfully preach the gospel of grace. And people would believe. But there was always a group who didn't believe who would stir up dissension. The Jews in Antioch of Pisidia, as you'll remember, they stirred up dissension against Paul and Barnabas. Even though many Jews and Greeks were coming to faith in Christ, there were Jews who stirred up dissension and eventually drove Paul and Barnabas out of Antioch of Pisidia. Well, now that Paul and Barnabas are, well, they're facing opposition, what are they going to do? Are they going to leave like they, they did in Antioch in Pisidia? After all, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, Jesus tells us that, he tells his disciples as he sends them out two by two that he is sending them like like sheep among wolves. And so they should be as innocent as a dove and as sly as a serpent. Uh, that, That when they are persecuted in one city, they should flee to another city. So what are Paul and Barnabas going to do now that they're being persecuted and facing opposition in Iconium? Let's continue to read to find out. Picking up with verse 3. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. They're being persecuted, and so they remained. I like the way the New American Standard Version of the Bible translates verse 3 of chapter 14. We read, therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with the reliance upon the Lord. 
The Greek word for therefore or so is um. Whenever you see the Greek word, the word therefore in the English translation in the Bible, we need to ask ourselves, what is the therefore? Therefore. Why is it there? Well, as you read, we can see that they're being persecuted. And therefore, because of the persecution, they decide to remain, to continue to preach boldly. They're not going to back down. They're not going to quit. They're going to persevere to fulfill God's call. Reminds me of something my mom said to me when I was a little boy in the third grade. I was playing soccer and I enjoyed this team called the Golden Eagles. We didn't start off the season very well. In fact, we had a really hard time winning any games that season. Uh, The year before, though, in the second grade, I had been on the Blue Bruisers and we were undefeated and, and we had won the city championship. And so it was really hard to go from the Blue Bruisers to the Golden Eagles who couldn't win a game. In fact, I remember one game we lost eight to two. In soccer, it's really bad if you lose eight to two. That means they scored eight goals and you only had two goals. That's not good. I was so upset when I got in the car. I told my mom, Mom, I'm quitting. I don't, I'm not having any fun. I quit. I'm done with this season. My mom literally pulled the car over, turned around and looked at me and said, Howard, you can be a lot of things in this life, but I'm not going to let you be a quitter. You've signed up for this season. You're going to see it through. I'm not going to let you quit. You're not a quitter. You've got to persevere. Well, as I read Acts 14, I don't see Paul or Barnabas' mother telling them they've got to persevere, (laughs) that she didn't raise them to be quitters. So how is it possible for Paul and Barnabas to therefore stay in Iconium and continue to preach the gospel despite the opposition? Where did they get this strength from? Well, as I look at all of Acts 14, I believe that guided by the Holy Spirit, There are three keys to the perseverance of Paul and Barnabas. Call, community, and confidence. Call, community, and confidence. Can you say that with me? Call, community, and confidence. Call. Guided by the Holy Spirit, Paul and Barnabas remain focused despite the opposition. They remain focused on the very clear call of God. For they knew they'd been called by Jesus to go and, and make disciples. They were commissioned by their church to go and make disciples. They've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and make disciples. No matter what tribulations they faced, they stayed focused on their call. You know, we have the very same call. Jesus has commissioned all of us to, to go and, and make disciples. Wherever we are, we're called to go and make disciples. If you're a banker, we're called to make disciples in the bank. If you're a student, you're called to make disciples in your school. If you're a parent, you're called to make disciples in your home. Wherever we are, we are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we make disciples by loving people and telling them the good news of Jesus. Reminds me of my old preaching professor, Dr. Cleo LaRue, who used to always impress upon us that you know, when we preach the gospel, we've got, we've got to keep it simple. We just, we just got to tell them about Jesus. He'd say, students, when you preach the gospel, just tell them about Jesus. Tell them that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was brought up in Nazareth. He was baptized in the Jordan. He was tempted in the wilderness. He preached in Galilee. He was anointed in Bethany. And he was betrayed in Gethsemane, tried in Jerusalem. Crucified on Calvary, but on the third day, you got to tell him about that third day. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. Don't tell him Jesus just woke up. Jesus didn't wake up. Jesus was dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. You got to tell him. You got to tell him when you're 
When things are good, you gotta tell them when things are bad. You gotta tell them when, thing, when you're feeling well, you gotta tell them when all is hell. You gotta tell them when, when you're well received, you gotta tell them when absolutely nobody will believe. You gotta tell them. You gotta keep telling them. You gotta tell them about good, the good news about Jesus. You gotta keep telling them. You gotta keep telling them until sinners are justified, till hell is terrified, till Jesus is magnified, till God is satisfied. You gotta keep telling them about Jesus. Amen. We used to say amen as well. We were trying to get A's. We're like, amen, brother. We will tell them. When was the last time, though, any one of us told someone about Jesus? Because we've got to keep telling them. We may assume they know, but even in Amarillo, not everybody really knows about Jesus. We've got to keep telling them. Will Esler recently told a man on a plane flying home from Kenya. My daughter recently told a girl in her art class about Jesus. I told a father at a flag football game on the sidelines the good news about Jesus. When was the last time you told someone the good news about Jesus? Because it's the gospel of grace that ultimately helps save lives. Of course, as we begin to preach Jesus and tell people about Jesus, we're going to face opposition. We can see it in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas, well, they begin to to face some opposition. So what are they going to do exactly? Let's keep reading with verse 4 this morning. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles, when a attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. If we're persecuted in one place, we've got to flee to another. We've got to keep telling others about Jesus. And, and that's what Paul and Barnabas do. They, going down the Via Sebaste or the Imperial Road, they travel down to Lystra, which is about a 20-mile trip from Iconium down to Lystra. Now, Lystra was a very pagan town. The gods Zeus and Hermes, the Greek gods of Zeus and Hermes, were worshipped in Lystra. And so we know that when Paul and Barnabas are going to preach the gospel in Lystra, they're going to have to take a different approach. This, this town is not filled with Jews. It's mostly pagans. So how are Paul and Barnabas going to reach the pagans? Let's keep reading. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up. He sprang up. And he sprang up and began walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, both he was, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men! Why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness, even with these words. They scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, 
they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. On the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. I'll pause there just for a moment. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Paul and Barnabas go into the, into the city of Lystra and they see a man who's been crippled from birth. And, and so Paul, with a word from his mouth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to heal this man. And miraculously, he gets up and begins to walk. Well, these pagans are so impressed, they think, oh, Zeus and Hermes have come down to, to hear, be with us. And so they begin to try to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. And, and knowing this is blasphemy, Paul and Barnabas rip their robes and say, no, we're just men like you. And they begin to t- point them to the one true God, the creator of, of heaven and earth who has blessed them with rain so they might understand that there's one God, not many gods. But before they can even get to the good news about Jesus, Jews from Iconium and from Antioch come and they, well, they stir the crowd up in opposition to Paul and, and they take Paul and they stone him with rocks and, and they leave him for dead. And then we read in verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, about, around Paul, Paul rose up and entered the city. How is that possible for Paul to, to just get up and, and why would he go back into Lystra? I mean, that's where all the Jews are who just stoned him. Go to Derby, move on, brother. Don't go back into Lystra. Where did Paul find the courage and the strength to persevere, to go back in to Lystra? I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul was not only focused on the call of God, but he was bolstered by the community of others. See, the reality is we're all members of the body of Christ, and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. No, we all need each other. When we're doing the Lord's work, yes, we're going to face opposition. Yes, we'll face hard times, but we're not called to do it alone. Jesus always sent his disciples out two by two. Paul had Barnabas. Do you have a Barnabas in your life? Someone that you can come to for prayer and encouragement who will take you to the word of God to let you know the truth of God's promises. And just as importantly, who are you a Barnabas to? Who are you encouraging along the way so that they might reach their God-given potential? Because we all need the community of others to reach our God-given potential. Christian psychologist and business consultant Dr. Henry Cloud shares in his book, The Power of the Other. In more than 25 years, I've been working with high-powered CEOs and other top performers. One characteristic stands out. The leaders who accomplish the most, thrive the most, overcome the most, are not afraid to say that they need help. We all need help. We need the community of others to help us persevere. Baptist businessman and motivational speaker Zig Ziglar used to say often, a lot of people have gone further than they thought they could because someone else thought they could. We all need someone to cheer us on, to encourage us. We need the help of others in order to persevere. In 1992, in the Barcelona Olympics, British runner Derek Redman was running in the semifinals of the 400-meter race. He had trained for four years for this race. He'd been doing very well in the previous races. Many thought that he might even win this semifinal race. But as he began the race, halfway into it, his hamstring tore. 
And he fell to the ground in excruciating pain. And what happened next is truly amazing. I want to share that with you. Did you see that? Derek Redmond falls to the ground in excruciating pain as his hamstring has been torn with no hope of, of, of winning the race. But then one fan, one fan stands up, starts to clap, and another fan stands up and starts to clap. And before long, 65,000 people are cheering Derek Redmond on, and he gets up miraculously, and he begins to hobble his way down his lane to finish the race. But as he gets very close to the finish line, the pain is overwhelming. He needs the the physical assistance of another. And then comes his father running from the stands to help Derek across that finish line. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews is letting us know that we stand before a great cloud of witnesses. All the saints who have gone before us are in heaven cheering us on, just as those fans were cheering Derek Redmond on. You can do us. In fact, Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he's cheering us on, saying, you can do it. But just like Derek, we need Christ's presence to come to us in physical form through members of the body of Christ who will, who will literally come alongside us in flesh and encourage us, guided by the Holy Spirit, they will encourage us to reach our God-given potential. Yes, Paul had Barnabas and the other Christians in Lystra to help pick him up so that he might have the courage to go back into the city. Yes, perseverance is found in staying focused on the call of God, guided by the Holy Spirit, focused on the call to go and make disciples. Perseverance is found in the strength of others as we, as we come around and experience God's presence through the ministry of others, encouraging us on our journey. And now that he has been encouraged, bruised, beaten, but not defeated, let's see what Paul does in the remainder of his journey. Please turn back to your text. We find it in verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples in Derby, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that, th- that through them many tribulations must, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. When they had preached the gospel to that city, to Derbe, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when they were in Antioch, Pisidia, the first go-around, it didn't go well. You remember, they were driven out by the Jews. When they went to Iconium, again, it didn't go well, and they were driven out by the Jews who wanted to stone them. 
And then when they get to Lystra, Paul actually is stoned. And yet now they're returning to these cities, to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch of Pisidia in order to bolster and encourage the disciples. Why? Why did they go back to cities where they clearly were not wanted by everyone? We actually have a map here uh, of their first missionary journey. I'd like for us to look at it closely if we can. You can see there's Derby. Once they've preached in Derby, you can see there's a town called Tarsus. That's Paul's hometown. He's not that far from Tarsus. It would have been easy to go back to Tarsus, to go home to mommy and say, Mommy, it's been rough out there. But that's not what they do. They continue focused on the very call of God to make disciples, bolstered by the community, and ultimately confident in the outcome. Why did they go? Let's look at their message to the churches that they revisited in verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas' clear call from God that they focused on throughout their journey was to make disciples of Jesus. And discipleship is a process. It's not a one-time decision. No, once someone comes to Christ, we've got to encourage them with the word of God. We've got to come alongside them and pray for them and mentor them. We need to help them see the reality of what, who God is and what God's calling them to do. We need to encourage them and be Christ's presence to them. So Paul and Barnabas were courageously able to return to these cities because they were, well, they were focused on the very clear call of God to make disciples, not just converts. They were comforted by the community of others. And ultimately, they were confident in the final outcome. You see, Paul and Barnabas at no point are, are ever afraid to die. Because as they look at the empty tomb of Jesus, they know that death will not have the final say for them. That they, Jesus has conquered sin and death on their behalf. And so they know that they too will die, but they will get up again. Yes, they will be victorious. They had confidence in the final outcome. Reminds me of the scene from the movie Rocky Balboa. Hopefully this is the last Rocky uh, movie to be made, but uh, there's one really good scene in it. It's called Rocky, and, and, and in this scene, Rocky tries to impart some wisdom to his son. I'd like to share that scene with you this morning. That's how winning is done. I love that. It's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Just ask Paul and Barnabas. They had taken a hit, yet they kept moving forward. They kept persevering because they had confidence in the final outcome. They were comforted by the community, the body of Christ, and had their minds focused on the clear call of God. Call community and confidence. You see, in our Savior, Jesus Christ, we know, have a, we know we have a Savior who knows what it means to take a hit, but to keep moving forward. Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested. He was slapped in the face. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was crucified. He had a spear put in his side where the blood and the water came flowing out. As we say in the Apostles' Creed, he was crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, don't forget about the third day, on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. As we look at the empty tomb this morning, we can see that the victory has already been won. Christ has conquered sin and death on our behalf. As the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
By the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul and Barnabas had confidence in the final outcome because they knew that Jesus had already conquered sin and death for for them, that death would not have the final say for them. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what trials or tribulations you're having to persevere today. You may be facing all kinds of struggles, struggles with health issues or financial issues or relationship issues. You may be simply exhausted by the, by the call of life to do your job, to help raise your family, and to serve others. You may be trying still to pick up the pieces after the sudden death of a loved one. I don't know where you are today, but I do know that we will all face trials and tribulations, but God has called us and empowered us by his spirit to persevere, and guided by the Holy Spirit, we can persevere if we'll focus on the call of God to make disciples. It will gather in Christ-centered community so we can be built up and if we remain confident in the final outcome. Yes, it's not how hard we can hit. It's how hard we can get hit and keep moving forward. Just ask Paul. Just ask Barnabas. Just ask Jesus. That's how winning is done. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you that you're the God who is with us and for us in Jesus Christ. We can see that in Jesus, you have taken the hit, the ultimate hit for us. For in Jesus Christ, you have paid the price for our sins with his death on a cross. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death on our behalf so that we might have the assurance of eternal life, so that we might be confident in the final outcome. But Lord, while we're here, help us by your spirit to remain focused on the call to make disciples. And help us to be reminded that we cannot do it alone. We need the body of Christ. We need the community of Christ to encourage us along the way as we seek to follow your call, as we seek to build up the next generation for the kingdom of Christ, as we seek to point others to you so that you might receive all the glory. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ. And all God's people said,